Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, regular listeners, you may have spotted that we've changed our name. It's now Honey & Co. The Food Sessions. So if you hear this sound, it's just us making dinner. Well, that and the fact that we're not allowed to use our old title anymore. It's just been a bit of a thing, but don't worry about it. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, thank you so much for downloading our podcast, The Honey & Co. My name is Itamar Sulovic. Me and my wife have some restaurants in Fitzrovia and a couple of cookbooks. Ever since we opened our restaurant, we've been meeting so many incredible people who are cooking, who are making food, who are writing about food. And we just want to have a little bit more time with them. We invite our favorite people once a month or twice a month to our deli, Honey and Spice. And we sit down and have a longer chat. We cook from their books and from their culture. And this is a recording of these talks. I hope you enjoy it. If you suffer from Sunday Night Blues, which, you know, some of us do, please keep on listening because you will not suffer from Sunday Night Blues ever again. We had Rosie Sykes coming to talk to us. Her book, The Sunday Night Book, is all about how to make your Sunday night so special and so delicious. It's full of simple recipes, very easy recipes, lovely, comforting recipes of great food that you can have any night of the week. But if you have it on a Sunday night, you're guaranteed to end the week on the right note. If you want to know how to make eggs in a mortar and pestle, you should really know how to make eggs in a mortar and pestle. If you want to know what a silk weaver's brain tastes like on toast, then definitely keep on listening. We had a wonderful night and I hope you enjoy it. The excellent Rosie Sykes. The excellent Sunday night cookbook on a Monday night, which is... Pretty close. Pretty close. It's as close <laughs> as we're going to get. Um, the really, really excellent book. We've had so much fun, you know, reading it and cooking from it. And we were just... I was just charmed when I saw it for the first time because there's something very... You know, I love the size of it. I love the, the pictures taken by my great friend Patsy, but, you know... Not that I'm biased or anything. Um, just a, a book that completely captured my heart. And Rosie is someone that I know, that we know from kind of social media and, you know, food things and, and events like that. So it's a great opportunity for us to get to know her better and cook this 
incredible food. I was saying we're going to try and keep the talk short to, to make sure that, you know, you get to the food quickly because I know what you really came here for. Um, Rosie, thank you for coming. Great pleasure. Uh, you've, you're a professional chef. Yeah, so that was where it all began. I mean, I started cooking when I was really young because I used to cook with my mum and then my mum just stopped one when I was in my mid-teens and so then I just took over so I've she always, stopped cooking yeah she okay. just was like enough already yeah. <laughs> and um, I was the youngest of four so the others had all kind of disappeared off but actually all of us talked about food all the time and that made her even crosser because we all really loved it and she she'd sort of given had it up had enough so yeah so I always cooked a lot and then when I went to university to study Spanish I used As to, one does. Uh, yeah, yeah, obviously very, very um, clear path I had, not at all. And um, so I used to cook either dinner parties for friends when I had any cash or I cooked for people for money. So I was always, always cooking. And then um, someone said, maybe you should think about, because I was really floundering. What was I going to do with a Spanish degree? I, don't, I didn't want to be a translator. I, didn't, I just didn't know. But I sp- had spent a lot of time in Spain and I was really inspired by being there um, and someone said to me my sister had shared a room when she was at university with a woman called Juliet Peston who is an amazing chef who worked with Alistair Little for years she was his she was his you know right hand for all the time and then Juliet had a terrible accident and she was knocked off her bike on the Euston Road and pretty much left. Um, and she spent then about a year at the um, hospital in Queen Square, the head hospital, because she had had a terrible brain injury. And um, so my sister had said to me, why don't you go and see Juliet and ask her what you th- she thinks you should do if you want to become a chef. So I had to go and see this poor woman in hospital and <laughs> say, career advice. Juliet, what should I do? So she told me to go off to college, <coughs> which actually is opposite to the advice I would give to anyone who wants to be a chef to be perfectly frank with you because uh, I think during my time at college I picked quite a lot of stuff up but um I felt quite frustrated because it was quite confined so there was lots of good methods that it's probably great that I know but it was quite you can trust a chicken in your sleep and (laughs) I definitely can't ice a Christmas cake my patience just ran out when it came to that stuff. I was like, no, no, no. So, um, so yes, yeah, so then I went to college for a year. And whilst I was at college, I had um, just totally become enamoured with another female chef who's called Joyce Moliner, who is, was my first ever boss. But she, she is now 87 and still going strong. Doesn't cook professionally anymore, obviously, but still... Whenever I go and visit her in Bath, she'll have made some of her lovely long de Chard biscuits. She always gives me a jar of rhubarb and rose petal jam when I leave. I mean, she's just the most incredible woman. And she's kind of royalty in the food world. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I believe that she was the first woman to get a Michelin star in her restaurant because that was the carved angels in the 70s. Um, so she's a remarkable woman and she had brought out a book which is how I sort of knew of her because she she was down in Devon and not a part of the world I ever went to Um, so I wrote to her 
and I went down to visit and she was such an enchanting character she wore a headscarf a spotty hanky headscarf and a little white coat like a chemist and DMs and um, proper you know see-through tights really just so (laughs) old school and perfect and I'm always desperate to emulate that in the kitchen but whenever I try to go into a kitchen she's very elegant yeah 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 she's great but whenever I try going in in one of those coats, they either think I'm the KP or <laughs> they just don't quite know what's going on. So I've given up trying to do that. I even used to steal a KP's coat. He had a blue one and I really loved it, but it just doesn't really work. The hanky, the polka dot hanky. Yeah, did that for a little while. We all did it at the Carve Danger. It was kind of like our uniform. The, the, the girls, the chaps didn't tend to because uh, I'm not sure it's quite a hard look to rock for yeah, a gentleman I think, <laughs> like for anyone it'll yeah, be quite, it, yeah. yeah it was quite but because we all did it I didn't feel uncomfortable but then when you go into another kitchen and do it you feel like a wally yeah. really yeah. so especially since after that I went to work for Sean Hill who does not suffer any kind of fool glad that, that's so. another kind of culinary royalty yeah yeah that's, yeah but I just want to finish talking about Joyce because she is the reason that I am what I am now on on every level. And but when I started, she she doesn't she doesn't really like the people who come at first because they're all a bit all over the place. And she's incredibly focused and she just wants to get on with her work. So as the newbie in the kitchen, it was very daunting. But uh, we quickly became great friends. And one of the things I loved about her was that in Dartmouth she had people. Because when she first opened her restaurant, she couldn't even get flat parsley. So she was either trying to grow it in the little yard at the back <coughs> of the restaurant, or she had three allotments, which were up a, a, a massive incline. So the keen ones amongst us would go up to the allotment to pick stuff. Because she'd kind of, at this stage, she was already in her 60s when I went to work for her. She wasn't going up the hill very much in the afternoon. She was more likely to be doing... She did sort of tapestry stuff so or, or lying down drinking red wine and <laughs> so um, that's never on our prep no. <laughs> <laughs> becoming part of my plan yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe sooner I think so um, yes yeah, so and just everything about the way she worked was amazing so people would come into the restaurant with a sea bass that they'd caught or you know a lobster and she'd say well if you want to come in for dinner I'll cook it for you which is just so delightful. Or, or they'd come in with some mushrooms or, you know, and, and she was just so generous-spirited. And there was a guy who lived in the next door village who had a huge quince tree, and every autumn he'd bring the car just rammed with quinces, and they'd all come <coughs> in, and then he'd come and have Sunday lunch with his wife a couple of times. And, you know, that spirit of generosity and just... Um, Season, uh, seasonal without even thinking about it is um, what you know I really love about food so it, that was an amazing start to my career really um, so I was there I'm a little bit jealous actually <laughs> <laughs> yeah I would happily go back there to her I would happily go back and we made everything as well and in and she didn't have a char grill or anything she just had a tiny um, cast iron barbecue that she sat on the back of the um, the flat top, the solid top. So she did all her steaks and things on this little tiny thing. It was just amazing to think, you know, when you see 
restaurants with these massive, massive grills. grills. Yeah, it was really amazing, really incredible. So, yes, yeah, so I spent a year and a half by the sea and absolutely loved the lobster man who'd come in smelling of salt and was really big and tall and would come with loads of lobsters and and really unusual things. Like I wasn't here when, I wasn't there when this happened, but he came in one day and said to Joyce, um, oh, I, I saw that there's a... <laughs> There's a badger on the side of the road. <laughs> Do you want it, Joyce? And so, <laughs> and she said, "I'm so hoping you're not going there." <laughs> Amazing. And she said, "Yes." <laughs> she obviously didn't cook it for the general public, but I think I gather the staff sort of had badger over type of thing, <laughs> and all survived. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure if. If it was allowed, probably not. I don't I know. I think it's there not, are special uh, no. rules, aren't there? Yeah, I think there's there's um, quite a distinction of what you're allowed to eat and what's roadkill. Yeah, yeah. Um, and another time, I caught her because we got all our glasses from Dartington, and I think it says something like the packaging is made from corn or something. So she was convinced that she could cook it. <laughs> she was putting it in the fryer in the oven, sort of panning it, and we were all going, What is happening? No. She no. Said, but she's so it was amazing to watch because she was just so incredibly curious about everything, even you know, even though she'd worked her so hard for many years and she was getting older and you know it's difficult in a kitchen when you're a bit older. I, I can't do shifts like I used to. And um but she was still incredibly curious and that was just really amazing to be around. So it was a very inspirational start to my cooking career. Well, it sounds like a very a place that's very hard to, to leave. Yeah, it was, it was. But I got a call from someone who was working for Sean Hill who had this tiny restaurant in Ludlow in Shropshire which had five tables in his house and it was himself and his wife, Anya, um, and Siegfried the cat and Boris the dog and a, a friend of mine <laughs> on the payroll yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty much and um, and a friend of mine was working there and he was going off to somewhere else and he rang and said Sean would quite like someone else um, but they have other to be the, the cat right and the dog, yeah. <laughs> but they have to be the right person otherwise he'd just rather do it himself which is very Sean and so I showed up there and um and I think I did okay because he said you can come back yeah yeah you'll do sort of thing and I was like their child because I lived in the spare bedroom Boris and Siegfried one on each side <laughs> which they were really happy about because it meant they didn't have to have them on their bed and um I was the whipping boy, but in a good way. It was really hard, though, because the carved angel was was hard in parts, but it was very, it was like a gentle introduction to kitchens. Um, and Sean's, even though there was only two of us in the kitchen, well, maybe because there was only two of us in the kitchen, and everything was a la minute, basically. Um, but it was, uh, uh, yeah, I learned so much. I mean, it's, it has, um, like, these places are, are such institutions and it's so different than, I think, the London restaurant scene, yeah. which, you yeah. know, takes, you know, huge kitchens and massive brigades. And so it can be very impersonal, I think. Yes, and a lot more transient. Yeah. 
because I think in the uh, I mean because these were destination places to work so people when I was at the Carved Angel there was a girl who'd come from Venezuela to live in Dartmouth to work for Joyce you know and I, I also don't think that you see that as much in, in kitchens now, that people will... There's, I don't know, perhaps I'm wrong about this, but I don't think there are as many destination kitchens where people are prepared to... I think people are much more ambitious early on. They think yeah. they know it all really quickly. So it's quite different, I think. I mean, I'm sure Sean thought that I thought I knew it all. Um, but... Uh, I still learned a, a lot from him. And yeah, then I came to London and I started in much bigger kitchens. And that was an eye-opener because uh, it was very, very different. It's a very different experience. Yeah. But I mean, then I worked uh, I worked at a place called Lola's with Juliet, who I talked about before, who had by then recovered enough to start running a restaurant with two ladies who had worked at the Caprice, who did the front, and Juliet the kitchen and it was an incredibly busy um, restaurant and Juliet again wanted everything to be done a la minute so it was just very high stress and yeah that was my first experience um, and then I went to the cow in Westbourne Grove again oh, yeah. cool. pretty crazy town place yeah. and then I went to Alistair's um, in Frith Street so um Another another institution. Uh, yeah, another big hitter. So I've been really lucky that I've sort of caught a lot of people in in the right right place at the right time, I guess. Um, but uh, then I I had a place of my own for a little while in Smithfield, which uh, is partly how I know our mutual dear friend here, Patsy because she used to come there um, and th- I, I loved doing that I absolutely loved having my own place but I was not blessed with a good business partner unfortunately mm. so that came to a sad end but then I decided to enter the world of the internet because Delia Smith was setting up her website and she needed people to help and I knew nothing but I somehow got a job doing that. So then I, Delia. Yeah. Are you serious? <laughs> Seriously, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Another I little known uh, <laughs> <laughs> entity in the food but world yeah, with Delia. Are you with serious? Delia, yeah. No, but in her uh, working on a computer, working out how to get her recipes onto a website. I don't know how that quite happened. But that was really amazing as well because even though I wasn't cooking for her, I just learned so much from, you know, all her recipes. I mean, her recipes oh. are a masterpiece. Yeah, they're they meticulous. are. And they are the ones, if I'm, if I'm thinking, how do I make fruitcake? Or, you know, I want a base for a recipe. That is where I'll go. Because yeah. I know that every single recipe has been tested by three or four people before Delia even allows it anywhere near a book or, you know, like more than anybody else. And she has it tested by professionals and then a, a, a friend of hers. And, you know, so they're tested on every level, yeah. which I mean, is it, And they're very clear. Very like, clear. And they work. Yeah, yeah, and very reliable. So, um, yeah, that was that was quite a... a masterclass in recipe writing. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, and then you, maybe. And then you started maybe. with the cookbooks. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So then 
uh, a very great friend of mine who I had actually met at the Carve Danish. She's called Polly Russell. Have you met Polly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's good. Yeah. So she and a friend had both just had babies and they had been discussing how important it is to be able to sort of plan... Well, Polly was telling her friend how important it is to sort of plan your week and make your life a lot easier by having a whole process set out. And the friend was sort of like, well, when I roast a chicken, I just throw it in the bin afterwards. Or if I have any leftovers, I don't know what to do with them, so I just throw them away. And Polly was sort of sitting there trying not to stop breathing. (laughs) So they came to me and said, why don't we try and write a book which is a, a recipe for every day of the year? Which, you know, in your... Um... It's not ambitious. <laughs> no. <laughs> Small when undertaking. When I think about yeah. it now, I think, my goodness. But we managed it. We managed it. Um, so, so we wrote it with Zoe as well. And the idea was that Zoe, the one who threw everything in the bin, was sort of a kitchen dum-dum, uh, to use that term as nicely as possible. And she... So she would test all the recipes. And for a while, we would... The first couple of times we went and sat and watched her. And after that, I just said, I can't, I can't be here. <laughs> <laughs> I can't look. But it's actually, it's given me a real sensitivity now for, for uh, the difference between someone who does it professionally and someone who's doing it in between all the other things they're doing and the tyranny of their life. And I think that's really important if you're writing books yeah. because... You know, it's got to work for people. Otherwise, there's absolutely no point in in yeah. doing it. And it's it's very easy to forget that people don't cook for a living. Yes, yeah. yes, you yes, know, and yes. Things that would take you five minutes might take someone a lot 30. longer. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah no, it's a the, real eye opener. The perfect example is even just chopping an even having a decent sharp knife and chopping an onion. You know. That that is a really unbearable thing to watch if it's someone who who hasn't done it or doesn't have a good knife. You know, it it's uh, it's a tricky one. But um, so yes, that and then um, we thought, well, not only will we do a recipe for every day of the year, may as well throw some puddings in as well. So it was a big undertaking. I think it was about over four hundred recipes in the book. And when we delivered it to Random House, I don't think they realised what they were getting. So, so you know, it ended up being very much looking like a textbook. But um, what I think is quite nice about it is that it, um, although it looks very technical and a bit like a manual, it is very relatable to as a home cook because... Zoe was our guinea pig. Uh, guinea pig, yeah. yeah. So nothing could be... It was like having the most incredible sub before you got to the sub. So you'd write something and she'd write back and go, I really don't understand what you're talking about. So it was a very good, very good uh, leveller. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So, so you kind of moved from the very hardcore, intense life of professional kitchens mm. and kind of drifting towards the more domestic cook sphere, which is a very different discipline. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, I think that partly started to happen because I had a column in The Guardian called The Kitchen Doctor. And so what that meant was that I went to... People would write in with problems and I'd go to their houses. And uh, and I loved it, I loved it. But um, the person I took with me, Bob, who'd write the piece, I'd just write the recipes, would always say to me, so what are we going to do, Rosie? And I'd say, I think we'll just wait till we'll get there. And he'd look horrified. But I loved it because we'd go and someone would say something like, oh, you know, uh, my kids won't eat vegetables and um, I'm finding it impossible and really frustrating. And So I'd go along and we'd have a little chat and then we'd go to the nearest, they'd take me to a farm shop or whatever it might be, the covered market in Sheffield. And then I'd just pick out a load of stuff and then we'd go back and cook it so that I did students in Manchester, I did people the curators from the the train museum in york who are having a 1930s party um some brownies who wanted to do pancakes to raise money all sorts of things but what it taught me was to to kind of be able to relate to just average joe people who wanted to cook food and um so yes it was a really and it was very slow drip because it was just once a month (laughs) But um, as as my repertoire sort of grew and my confidence grew, it became a really great way to um, sort of, yeah, relate to them and be able to sort of hand over the stuff that I had learnt in professional kitchens that I felt was relevant in a domestic situation. So... Um, That's I, such a cool thing to do. Yeah, actually. it was It was really... I loved it. I really enjoyed Did doing it. Did you like... It chocolate-covered broccoli for the kids that won't eat <laughs> vegetables. No, we did loads of hands-on stuff. Like, um, there's a Malaysian thing called popia, which is a sort of little pancake almost thing that, which you put spiced vegetables in, but we didn't do them very spicy, and then you could put sauces, a bit like duck pancakes, but with loads of vegetables. Did those. We did do some... I think we might have deep-fried some stuff. Um, I can't remember exactly there what, but frying, I'm not sure. there's got to be, <laughs> there uh, or something along those lines. But um, 
yeah, it was great and very rarely. The only time it didn't go very well was when I then backed my car out into the people I was visiting. So that wasn't a great end. I'm well, blushing now. You, you fed them. Yeah, you I told fed them the scale and they then you took everything away. We were smiling and waving and I was crunching <laughs> Oh gosh. Yeah. So but apart from that it all went very, very well. <laughs> Those who survived it really yeah. enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so it's I think I hopefully have got the bounce. But I did carry on cooking in professional kitchens and I still do now. But like I say, because I feel a bit older I don't I wouldn't want to have my own place where I was constantly cooking because I I just don't yeah, it doesn't I don't think I could do it really. And I think because I feel very drawn by like we were talking about before, writing recipes and and books, it's like another facet of yeah. of being a cook yeah. and a, a, and a, and sharing that love of food and that knowledge of food in a very different way. Yeah, so. and and actually, the fact is, cooking at home is much nicer. Mm. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's that's just true. nice. There's yeah. no, you yeah. know, yeah, that's nothing very bad true. can happen. You're not, no. you're not under any stress. It's yeah. just nice. Yeah, that's very true. It's yeah, you don't have people drumming their fingers on a table yeah. or whatever it might be or expecting something well they might do I suppose <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not paying anyway yeah. <laughs> yeah. so they can expect whatever they want yeah. Yeah. doesn't necessarily matter if it doesn't turn out how you thought it was going to but um, yes I have been known to put I don't know if you ever do this put dishes on menus that I haven't tried out before service starts which is a bit of a crazy roller coaster that I wouldn't yeah. advise to anyone we don't do that no. <laughs> yeah that's a bit seat of the pants yeah no, but good fun it, good it fun. is it is yeah not not for your chefs I'm sure no absolutely they're crying. not no but that's only when you're doing it yourself you yeah, can't yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you, you have can't. to be very keep very tight on yes absolutely very tight. absolutely nothing is more domestic than Sunday night Sunday night, you know, the streets are empty, the restaurants are unclosed, everyone's at home, and it's a bummer night. Yeah, yeah. Although it could be a bummer night, but that's the whole point. I really, for me, growing up, it was not at all. It was like we always, there were only very certain things that we had, but it it was that way of all bonding before it all kicked off again. And that that's a really lovely feeling that kind of coming together and and that's what i really that's why i loved the idea of this book it's it's an it's a really great idea and actually the food here is you know i think yeah it's the the sunday night book but it's this is what you want to eat every night this is Mm -hmm. really very good home food very simply prepared or assembled really interesting stuff as well so it's not boring it's it really really won me over and there's how how did you start working on it what was your how did you break it down so i suppose i i suppose i started from what what our sunday nights were and from my own personal loves so toast was i knew there had to be a chapter of toast because Mm -hmm. And also, I feel like toast is a, is a very English thing that 
it is our kind of comfort in a way um so i knew that was really important sunday nights at home often were eggs for us so yeah. that was really important to me um so and then from there it just grew with my ideas of comfort and nurture nurture is so important to me in food i'm sure it, i well i can i know it is for you too as well because it's that kind of generosity it's like giving a hug with what you're feeding people or suggesting that people cook for you even <laughs> which is a dream come true so um yeah so a lot of it was about comfort but then i also realized that how we are now as well you know there's a lot more emphasis on lighter food and so i i wanted to go down that that avenue a bit because i think that is probably the way i quite often eat myself um although you know if it's not toast with anchovy butter and a soft boiled egg on it or something like that then it it might well be a big plate of beetroot and horseradish but none of it is uh, sort of clean lean and clean it's it's all got to have a bit of something, something fun yeah something yeah, happy yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah and and i mean this i was uh it's always the hardest thing when we do these talks is <coughs> to choose the mm-hmm. what we're going to cook and this is the cornbread. Uh, t- can I say now? We had a bit of a fight about it because I wanted to cook other things. Oh, did yeah, you there was there was a lot of argument. There was there was a little bit. There's a lot of recipes you want to cook. A lot of recipes. There's the recipes for the recipe for the fidua. Yeah. How do you pronounce it? Fideo. Fideo. Which is vermicelli noodles cooked like risotto, basically. Genius. And this is this is. Oh my, I'm gonna cook. Uh, definitely, this is on my list. There's the wonderfully named um, eggs in a mortar. Oh yeah, eggs in a pestle and mortar. Egg, eggs in pestle and mortar. Which you, can you even imagine? It's. I mean, when I was told about it, even I couldn't really imagine. <laughs> and it was a Spanish friend, and he was. Um, oh, he was talking about this dish, and the reason he was talking about it was because he was talking about putting too much vinegar in it and so for him to talk about this dish which was some eggs that you you so you fry garlic you fry chilies and then you um put them into a pestle mortar and then in the oil that you've cooked them and you fry some eggs quite softly and then you um you whip it all up with the chilies and the garlic um and oil in a pestle mortar and then you add a bit of vinegar so he was talking about it in a way that it was the most obvious thing in the world to do. That wasn't what he was telling me. What he was telling me was he often put too much vinegar in it. And I was like, wait, 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 what, what? what are you talking about? I just couldn't. So he made it for me. Um, and then I got him to make it for me again and again because it, it's so delicious. And you can't imagine that it would be because it's really quite out there. Um, but we, we had the same thing when we were trying to choose which pictures for the book. I was really keen to do it, and and everybody was a bit like, yeah, but it's just a paste. No, I'm I really, think. I'm yeah. really glad that you did, because I, I really, I was, I was reading the recipe, and I was, I was, I couldn't, yeah, make it I out know. in my head. I know it's it's wild, but definitely worth, definitely worth making. Well, really, I, this is definitely on my list. Another thing that is very. Um, the silk weaver's brain. Oh yes, yeah. Okay, there's no, no, it's not brain. <laughs> it's not brain sometimes. No, so it is. Um, it's from Lyon, 
Um, so a lot of silk, it was huge silk weaving industry in Lyon. And the silk weavers were considered to be not very clever people. So the idea was that their brain... And I think also that perhaps there was something in the silk weaving or making process, some chemical that perhaps made you a bit nuts or something. <laughs> so the idea was this fresh cheese that they make in Lyon, which is a bit like Labrador or something, um, uh, drains for quite a long time and gets quite dry, um, looks like a brain when you turn it out of the sieve. So that's why it's like called silk brain. Weave. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. A soft, crazy person's brain. So that's why you um This yeah. is what you want on a Sunday night. It really is. It <laughs> really toast. is. Yeah. 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 With lots of herbs and then a delicious salad with fennel and chicory and yeah, a nice sort of zingy wake up. What are your you. favorite recipes from? Um She I doesn't have any favorites. She loves them all equally. Yeah. It's true. Um, I love Lucio sardines, which is a sardines yes. on toast, which I was um, taught by a fantastic Brazilian guy we used to work with. And he was the kitchen porter. And he'd always, when we were doing our fish order to Ben Fish, about once a week, he'd say, can you get some extra sardines? And we'd all say, yes, definitely. Because he'd make these, he'd put these things in the oven at night before we left. And it was either just switched off or on incredibly low ticking over and we'd come in in the morning and there was this kind of unctuous delicious and even though I don't think sardines are necessarily what I'd eat for breakfast I know my sausage dog would um they were just heaven they were so so good so that yeah that that would be one of my favorites that, um, that's uh, I was reading third now that just sounded incredible yeah it is really really good uh, the only thing is that Lucio disappeared before I could get the recipe So it is my interpretation, and also because, you know, Sunday night you do not have all night. No. Unless you go down the cocktails route, and then you do then have all night. There's plenty of the cocktails. The cocktails chapter well. is, yeah. uh, I think, was the chapter that I was most excited about, because when, when I was proposing the book, my agent said to me, um, who is wonderful, Victoria is amazing, she said to me, no, I think, you know, when we go um, and talk about the book, they'll probably say to you, that you can't have cocktails in there because they, they just don't sell really. And I said, okay, but I, I really think it's part of the book and I will really fight for it. But there was no question. They knew that Sunday night sometimes does need a cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and I got these wonderful friends, Harry and Charlie, who, who have this, this little bar that they've made the whole thing themselves and they've made their jackets and, and they make incredible cocktails. Um, so it was just a real joy to be able to put that in there. And the other reason I wanted to do that chapter was because um, a great friend of mine's um, mother used to call little canapes if you had a party. She called the little eaty things um, pop it in in ones, which I just love. So I, want, I wanted to have a chapter that was called pick me up some pop it in in ones. Because also because it looks funny on the page, like I might have made a spelling error or something. But then you have to say it quite a few times and maybe after a cocktail you can say it even better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the time you finish the chapter, you're very adequate yeah, at yeah. announcing it. <laughs> yes, indeed. So, no, I, I I think it's such a lovely book, and Thank you. I, I love everything about it, like the the size, I like the picture, and, and very much I like the food, and I 
can't tell you how much I enjoyed cooking today. I will tell you what I did cook, and that is this genius thing, which is basically a pisaladier topping yeah. that you set up in the tray, and then you pour beautiful cornbread batter on top and bake it, and then you flip it. So it's like three in one. <laughs> your pisaladier, your cornbread, and your tatatan. It's just... Just a little, and this is another thing that the book is full of, is all these tiny little tricks that you wouldn't think of, like frying the the anchovies before you put the onions. I've mm, never done that. Mm. And it all sort of melts away and it makes a nice... And the kitchen smells amazing. <laughs> like just for that, it smells amazing. Or cooking the onions in the oven instead of the stove, who makes it really easy. Um, so this is one thing we've cooked, uh, fregola with uh, bacon and peas that I have to I have to this we did have a bowl didn't we <laughs> when we tried we couldn't resist when, when, it was, when it was just cooked it's delicious and this glorious beetroot salad with horseradish cream and egg and watercress and croutons which is just I could just see like a plate of that taking it to the sofa mm. watching something on TV on mm. a Sunday night Perfect. Everything was, you know, this is suits me to a T. Please, guys, give a big hand to Rosie Sides <laughs> and the Sunday Night Book. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Honey and Coke. We hope you enjoyed it, even if you didn't get to try the food. I promise everything was absolutely delicious. There are some wonderful guests coming up in the next few weeks and will be available to download. So make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes and please leave us a review if you can. That'll be really, really great for us. This show is expertly produced by Hester Kant, music by the great Ellis Russell. If you want to come along to one of our talks, you can join our mailing list on our website, honeyandco.co.uk, or follow us on our social media at honeyandco. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.